Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guests today are two entrepreneurs who have one of my favorite entrepreneurial success stories. They are Dr. Joe and Judy Rately, the founders and leaders of S&M New Tech and the inventors of Greenies Pet Treats. And you'll be hearing that story directly from them here during the show. But then they sold the company and they founded and managed the Rately Little Red Foundation, which is a 501c3 charitable entity. And in addition to the Rately Little Red Foundation, they lead a number of entrepreneurial companies from their headquarters in North Kansas City, Missouri. Recently, they were the recipients of the UMKC's 31st Annual Entrepreneur of the Year Award uh, for the Social Entrepreneurship. That's called the Marion and John Kramer Award. And we're so happy to have them here on the show today to talk about their entrepreneurial roots their success story, and now what they're doing to give back. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. We are so glad to have uh, an opportunity like this, Kelly. Well, I'm excited to continue to share your story. Like I said, it's one of my favorite. And I first heard about Greenie's Pet Treats from Joe, and it was actually through a UMKC program. It was the SBDC, and you were uh, telling about – Greenies and how you were actually at that point still trying to get them to market, and you weren't, you didn't have a, you didn't have bank loans at the time either to help you scale. So you were really in that very critical period uh, that entrepreneurs go through, where they they've got the product, but they don't necessarily have the market yet. So um, let's step back just a minute and tell us first of all where the idea came from, and then take us up through getting it to market. All right. Well, uh, the idea came from Joe's head with my um, persuasion, I guess. Joe, you want to tell the story? Well, we had two dogs at the time, family dogs, and uh, one of them in particular had horrible breath field and just had bad breath. And Judy kept asking me that I needed to do something to cure the dog's bad breath. And she had tried a lot of products off of... uh, independent retail shelves and from veterinarians and had made no progress. So I mentioned when I was at the dentist one day uh, that we had this problem, and he said, well, I might be able to help. Uh, I can get to the University of Missouri School of Dentistry library and pull material for it. So he did, and he came back with probably two to three inches of uh, reports. I went through those and picked out a few things that I thought looked interesting, basically mixed them up, most of the ingredients, uh, anybody that does any amount of cooking would have the ingredients in their pantry, basically, and gave it to Ivan. He liked it. Katie liked it, too, the other dog. And so I kept giving it to him, and I don't know what, 10 to 14 days later, Judy said one day, you know, did you notice how much better Ivan's breath is? And I said, no, not really. So I went over <laughs> or out and checked him, and sure enough, he was probably about 75% cleaned up, and so that was the the start of Greenies, and uh, from there, it was a fantastic yeah. story. 
Yeah, it, like I said, it's it's one of my favorite success stories. And in the beginning, though, uh, there you did have some struggles. You had a product that was obviously effective, but of course, you have to go through the testing, and then you have to get the funding. And talk to us about those early days when you knew that you had a very viable product, but you still had the challenges of the financing, the marketing. How did you get through that, and what resources did you turn to? We went everywhere we could. We went to almost every bank in a wide metro area and gave our proposals. And when we left, we felt like they just were laughing at us because we were two bureaucrats, me being a teacher, (laughs) Joe being a government worker for 18 years, trying to start a pet business with a green treat. (laughs) Yeah, green probably not uh, looking too appealing as far as food goes, but it's, it was a chlorophyll in it or, or something. Yeah, it was an ingredient that made right. it the green. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so you got turned down a lot, but, but what kept you going? What? Um, how did you manage to get to that next stage and break through finally? Well, we, we gave samples out, and everybody who put it to their dog's mouth said their dog went wild about it. So we knew we had something but we knew we didn't have the financing to get there, so we had to do something to try to transition from having something so wonderful but no financing into finding a way to do that, Joe. Well, these kind of situations require a lot of persistence and passion to get through them. Uh, Judy is the all-time reigning queen of rolling credit cards. She would (laughs) keep a spreadsheet of when we got these Uh, credit cards and what the introductory period was and she would roll them to a different new card when the introductory offer time was up because interest rates back then on credit cards were 17 to 20 Mm percent introductory rates were typically under four percent so we basic duty basically rolled credit cards meanwhile uh, as we grew a little bit uh, I started looking for lease financing, equipment lease financing, and everybody Mm -hmm. told me that they would never do a mold. They would do a molding machine, which we had to retrofit, but they wouldn't do a mold. But in the end, I out-persisted them all, and we wound up with 17 equipment leases, and every single one of them told me they would never, ever do it. (laughs) They did one, and that was all I asked of them, and moved on to the next one. We also had a good relationship with our primary ingredient supplier, and they gave us very lenient terms, and we had a product that had pretty good cash flows. As we sold a product, we got a little money, and we basically bootstrapped it through, and the the truth of the matter is we didn't get our first loan for actual production or anything. We had a loan for a pickup truck earlier, but any young person working at McDonald's can qualify for that. Mm So. We had several people who were uh, basically consultants that worked with us trying to get financing, but it was a long, long, hard struggle, and we actually sold $1 million worth of product the month before we finally got bank financing. Wow. I bet there were a lot of banks uh, that, in retrospect, were sorry they didn't uh, go on the ride and share that journey with you. (laughs) Well, as soon as the word got out that one bank gave us the loan, we started receiving phone calls, and bankers showed up at our doors. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, in addition to all of these business issues, business challenges that you had to overcome, and just as you, to use your word, Joe, persistent, you had to persist with the leasing companies, you had to be persistent with the sales so that you could eventually qualify for loans to even ramp up more. Um, you, How did you keep going from a an emotional or mental uh, state? So many business owners or potential business owners would have just said, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm going back to nine to five and a steady paycheck. What kept you going personally through that time? Well, I think two things for me. Judy can add her uh, perspective too. Uh, one, I was pretty well convinced that we had a pretty darn good product, and if we didn't do it, somebody else would. And secondly, at the time we were doing this, we had a very distant relative from Switzerland that was literally running the distance of the world and dealing with border crossings and uh, various climatic conditions, both of them. His wife was his support team on a motorcycle at his side. Both of them contracted very serious cases of malaria, just about died. And I Mm -hmm. said, if Serge and Nicole can overcome all the things they have to do, we can overcome these small problems, relatively speaking, that we have. Mm -hmm. And that that kind of kept us going and... uh, not throwing in the, the white towel to give up. And, right. and once the idea gets out there, we knew that if we said, okay, we're not going to do it, it would have been picked up by somebody else and they would have run with it and been the one to sell it tomorrow's not us. <laughs> true, true. Somebody that would have been better capitalized perhaps and had a track record. So absolutely. We're going to fast forward in the essence of time. Uh, but for our listeners, you know, go check out uh, Google uh, Judy and, and Joe and, and uh, they will, you'll find their story, complete story there. But I want to fast forward and talk about the sale to Mars. You eventually launched other products for other pets, and uh, then the defining moment came when you sold the company. Tell us about how that happened. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> now, they, we got the first call from Mars that they were interested on a Thursday, and uh we asked a few questions, and they got back the next day, and that was, so that was a Friday. And uh, they had said on the first day that they wanted to do this fast, and they didn't want word to slip out that they were talking to us. And so the next day when they called back and gave us some feedback, and we said, well, we'll talk with you. I, I made a kind of mistake. It would have come up anyway, but I said, so you said yesterday you wanted to do this quickly, so, you know, you want you want to meet next week or the following week and they said oh no negotiations start in new york city tomorrow morning at eight o'clock and it was about oh, boy. in the afternoon and so wow. the, the short story is that one week after we got the first call from mars um we had all the paperwork signed for the transaction that was fast wow <laughs> that was two private companies which makes a mm-hmm. huge difference Right, that's still fast. So, but where there's a will, there's a way, right? Um, right. Sounds like that's been the story of your company in more ways than one. So you sold Mars. Uh, by that time, Greenies had become an international sensation. Literally, we don't even have time to go into the stories about the the dogs, uh, the drug sniffing dogs on the docks going crazy, and they thought you had drugs in your shipment. That's a whole different fun story but um it they they had become a sensation by that time you sold and what did the sale of the company allow you to do 
Well, it freed us to be able to do a lot of things that we wished we could have done when we didn't have anything but an income. And uh, Valerie Mars called me one day and said, okay, what do you think you want to do with all of this money now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As if it were just, you know, lots and lots. But anyway, it was more than we'd ever had. And um, we knew that we wanted to help people because we said, okay, we can have all this money and we can furnish our home really elegantly and we can have vacation homes, we can have this. But that didn't interest us. Mm-hmm. We thought, you know, if we can help change some lives and so – we had already started giving to Food for the Poor, which helped mainly in the Caribbean and in the South American country of Guyana. And so we just started looking a little deep, more deeply into that. Joe? Well, we, we, we wanted to do something for others, and I would say that unquestionably the uh, – satisfaction from working with others and helping the less fortunate is the greatest satisfaction that I've had in my life, the most gratifying. Uh, It is incredible. We've had the pleasure, the opportunity to build, we just finished up a fifth village in Guyana, which is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, Their per capita income when we started working with them was $1,200 a year. And these were the poor people we were working with. And right. so uh, we've got about 325 houses built down there, uh, several schools, some drinking water uh, situations we've improved, uh, sanitation facilities, uh, worship, recreational, uh, community center type things, and a few micro enterprises mm-hmm. with that too. And so that has been one of the most gratifying things we've done. The people are so respectful and so thankful. It's it's just so heartwarming. Yes, and you also have a portable sawmill. Uh, tell us about that. This well, is in the. Go ahead and tell us. Yeah, this this is uh, out in basically a jungle area, and the gentleman who was the equivalent of a governor, they call them chairmans of the regions down there. They don't have states, they just have regions worked with us and helped us get everything set up that it was all, you know, met all the requirements for cutting and replanting of trees. And so there's this tremendous forest down there. And so we got them a sawmill and they're sawing wood, felling trees and sawing wood and replanting trees. And uh, that that's a source of income for the village then. This is out in the middle of nowhere, literally. Uh, mm-hmm. To get there, you go upriver about eight miles by boat, and then you go another mile on a little canal, and suddenly the water ends, and you're in the middle of a jungle. And mm-hmm. uh, we call it the the miracle in the jungle because Food for the Poor did such an exceptional job on this and everything else we've done with them down there. But the the short story is 54 days after we were first contacted about possibly doing a village there, funding it, uh, Here's what the Food for the Poor and the local people had done. They had cleared 40 acres of land with axes and machetes. They had cleared 32 miles of an old abandoned Indian trail that hadn't been used for at least a decade so that they could bring in 50-some truckloads of building supplies to construction crews and build 70 houses, a school, a community worship center, and a small retail store, and 
54 days after we got the first phone call, all 70 families were living in their new houses. Wow. You are obviously making such a huge impact uh, in that area of the world, but you also have not abandoned your interest in pets, and you some of, some of your efforts are still devoted to pet care. Can you tell us about that? Well, uh, yes. One of the things that occurred while we were building uh, the Greenies Company was that my dad was getting older, and he had bad hips, and Ultimately, he had to go to a nursing home. So one day, Judy and I were going to go down to visit, so I called down, and uh, I had a cousin who happily happened to be the head nurse there. And I said, hey, Marianne, um, could we bring Max along, our 125-pound greater Swiss mountain dog? And, this, you know, Dad always had dogs on the farm, and uh, mm-hmm. now he can't have dogs. I, I think he'd really get a pickup uh, if we brought Max down. She said, well... I don't know. And she finally said, okay, we'll we'll try it one time. So we took Max in, and <clears throat> Dad was in his wheelchair when we got there, and I had Max on a leash. I just handed the end of the leash to my dad in his wheelchair, and I walked alongside of uh, Max, and we went to the nursing home, and everybody wanted to pet Max and play with him. And there was mm. one lady there that Marianne later told us had not spoken for months. And the oh. following week she talked uh numerous times about the big dog that had visited. And so out of that, we've gotten into pet therapy. We help uh, get owners and pets certified to go into long-term care facilities and hospitals. It's a great uh, uh, conversation starter because everybody either loves or hates dogs, mostly love. But uh, it it starts a conversation, then people can visit with them. And so, so many of these people have nobody that really visits them. Uh, so it, it's really a pickup in their mood when somebody comes in and visits with them, brings an animal along. And it doesn't matter to us whether it's dog, cat, or whatever, uh, just getting people into a facility like that and allowing people to, to have a conversation and be a part of something again. So we partner right. with, with um, Pets for Life and they're out of Kansas and I've gone to one of their meetings and had <clears throat> got to see the animals there and beautiful cats, wonderfully dressed dogs that were so well behaved. It was so fun to see that these people were giving their time and the animals gave their love. And one mm-hmm. of the best stories about <clears throat> seeing some of the 4-H students out in Smithville had gone to um, a, a care center out there, and <clears throat> there was a huge Rottweiler. And if you were sitting down, he sat down and let you pet him. And if you were standing mm-hmm. up, he would stand up so you could touch him. And he was mm-hmm. the most, oh, my goodness, he was the most wonderful dog I've seen <laughs> in the pet therapy part. Yeah, uh, pet, pets are just our animals are just just wonderful creatures. They and uh, they they do have so much to give, and j- just like you are doing, and in so many ways, we talked about the assistance in various parts of the world. We talked about how you are helping to um, support organizations that use pet therapy uh, to help others. And then one of my favorite things after working in the entrepreneur world for 25 years now is when entrepreneurs start to give back and invest in the next generation of entrepreneurs. And you are doing that on a fairly large scale. Can you talk about some of that? 
I have been working with a number of universities over the last decade, uh, going in as a visiting professor and talking about what entrepreneurship is really like and how difficult it is but how rewarding it can be and trying to, to get people to think about it. If you think about what career days typically are, like at a high school or even a college, it's large companies and the government come in. The small companies, the entrepreneurs, really don't have time to do that for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. So I go in and, and tell them about what the entrepreneur life is kind of like and how we overcame obstacles and how, how we've now been able to do so many more things than we've ever been able to do before for other people. And uh, we, we've done quite a bit of that in terms of mentoring people. I have one mentee who just uh, recently, she actually is a collector of Pez little, I don't know what you call them, Yeah, the candy dispensers, yeah. Dispensers, yeah, that's a good word. And uh, (laughs) she was just uh, voted the Pez Dispenser of the Year in 2016 out of more than 30,000 contestants for that. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's really rewarding to see somebody come along like that because she basically just turned a hobby into a business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amazing. And he's so excited about it. Well, mm-hmm. and his grandson, their grandson is in uh, high school and is an uh, officer in DECA and found out about the uh, University of Missouri-Kansas City Entrepreneur of the Year celebration of the 31st annual, and he he told his grandmother that he really, really wanted to go to that, and so she brought him. I thought oh, that that's was really, great. I that find it interesting that <clears throat> so many of the young people to whom we speak are just so excited about our our giving back, and they want to work for a not-for-profit, but mm-hmm. they don't realize you have to go through all those uh, years of struggle and make something happen so you can have money to give back. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can volunteer your time, but uh, in order to make those uh, monetary contributions, you do have to uh, have a source for that somewhere. And, okay. you know, you have – you have uh, numerous other projects that you are involved with as well. Some of them are one-time types of situations. For example, um, when the Joplin tornado hit, you were very involved in helping the restoration efforts there and, and just a number of other special projects. But I think as we close up here today, um, my final question to you is for those entrepreneurs who are out there, and you and I have run into many of them who say they they want to give back in some way, but maybe they don't have that financial uh, situation yet that you just mentioned, Judy, where they can do that uh, without maybe harming their business, Uh, or they don't have the kind of time that they would really like to uh, give because they're trying to run the business. You know, they you always hear put your own oxygen mask on first. If my business fails, I'm not going to have that money down the road. Right. Talk to us about that balance and what you would advise entrepreneurs who do want to contribute. Uh, you know, have they have that social entrepreneurship um, inclination? What advice would you give them in order to make that at least start to happen? You start small. We didn't have anything, but we always would put a little bit of something, whether it was just a tie to our church at first or um, when the mission came to our church and we saw a need, we would put something. It was not a lot. Mm-hmm. But we started somewhere and opened doors that we probably would not have walked through if we had not 
at least given a tiny bit to start with. So you start small, and then as you're blessed like we were, it's just unbelievable how you're able to be used as a conduit to let more things flow through you. Sure. The mentality of abundance. I would say, Kelly, that one of the things I would advise all people to do, whether they want to be entrepreneurs or not, is to think seriously about what would you want people to say about you at the end of your life? In effect, mm-hmm. uh, kind of scribble out what you think you'd like your epithet to say. You can change it a long way, of course, but then then try to, to put together some stepping stones of how you get there. Maybe build forward and backwards from those mm-hmm. starting points. How, how do you get there? And that provides a really good decision-making tool also because you ask yourself on every decision, does this get me down the road uh, to my life goal. If yes, do it. If no, don't do it. Or you better think about what you want your life goal to be because you're going off in a different direction. And I think that's so critical, uh, that and setting goals in life in Mm -hmm. general. Uh, Goal achievement is extremely satisfying. People who never set goals, never achieve a goal, and it doesn't take long, you're kind of tumbling down the mountainside and you're going to land in the gutter. <laughs> Great <laughs> advice, but I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Joe and Judy. It has been so wonderful to talk with you this morning, catch up, and um, thank you for spending the time with us, and congratulations again on the Marion and John Kramer Award that you recently accepted for social entrepreneurship at UMKC's 31st Annual Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. And if anybody would like to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Well, probably the best way is through our foundation. Uh, it's L-I-L-R-E-D-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N dot O-R-G. Remember, it's O-R-G. Or okay. you can call us at uh, 816-994-8426 here in Kansas City. Okay, so littleredfoundation.org, dot right. org. It's and little, uh, little, 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 right, L-I-L, <laughs> littleredfoundation.org. So you can go out there and find out all of the, the good that jo- Dr. Joe and Judy Rately are doing around the world and some ways maybe that you can plug in as well. Thank you again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.